Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Well, have you ever had anybody suggest to you that you would get a life? <laughs> anybody ever just tell you get a life? It's usually not meant in the kindest of ways, but I I was thinking about that, and you know, a life is not something you just simply get. And I think that's problematic in our society, and I think that's problematic in many of our lives because we assume that a life is just something you're going to get. That one day you're just going to wake up, and all of the planets are going to have aligned all of the situations and circumstances around our lives will have perfected themselves and we will just have the life of abundance, the life of blessing, the life of happiness, the life of peace, the life of uh, whatever we've always dreamed about having. But a life is not something that you get. Certainly life in a physical sense is bestowed upon us and God has breathed in us and created each one of us and, and we, have been, we have been blessed with a life and that life in its barest form and sense is simply an existence. But I believe there are a lot of people right now who may be disappointed with life because you've believed that your life doesn't measure up to some others because they got a better life than you. And, and this is not at all the case because while everyone is given a life, to, to make that life meaningful is not something simply that happens to you or something that you get. A life is something that you build. Sometimes I think about people who have really influenced my life and I, I want to be that person to someone else. How many of you know people that you just, you can look back over the course of your life and there are certain people that you know that just the the character and the nature of who they are, they inspire you. And and you know these people and, and it's not about fame or notoriety, it's not about being in the spotlight, but it's about leaving a legacy of godliness in the minds and the hearts of those we influence and the people that we're speaking about right now are people that had a great life they just had a life that bore witness of something that I want don't you don't you want to have that kind of life Don't you want to have the kind of life that other people look at you and are envious of in the best kind of way? That they just say, man, there's just something about that person. There's just something about their lives that is is sweet, that's attractive, and, and I would to be like them. I would like to follow their example. I would like to pattern my life after that. And and one thing that I realized or have realized about those that have so impressed my life is that they had some very serious spiritual disciplines in in their lives. Uh, They they didn't become spiritual giants. And most of the people that I admire most are, are people that I consider spiritual giants. I mean, they're just, they're praying people, they are uh, wise people, they are just inspiring people, and they, I consider them spiritual giants. And the, here's the thing, they didn't become spiritual giants by accident. 
They didn't just, quote, get that life. No, they, they didn't get that life. They had, they had consistent prayer lives. They, had, they were faithful to the things of God. They had awesome study habits, and, and they were yielded to the hand of the Holy Spirit. They, they were obedient to God in the things to which he was calling them. And these disciplines, these outward efforts had an internal impact that changed the very fabric and fiber of who these people were, so much so that their lives began to radiate the life of Christ. And what we might say, it might be said of those that have influenced us the greatest, that these were people of character. People of character. They had character. They possessed character. And it it might be added as well that these spiritual giants only got that way as they submitted, they were faithful to submit their flaws and their weaknesses to the strength of the Lord and in turn find the perfection of his strength when they were weak. And today I want us to look at the Apostle Paul's challenge for you and I to develop character as the bedrock upon which the rest of our lives will be built. Because if you want to build a life that is incredible, a life that has a powerful witness, a life that is enviable by those around us that people look on and say, man, those are just incredible folks, then it begins on the foundation of character. And you and I... If you and I are going to build great lives, it must be built on the foundation of character. And you want to say, Pastor, what is character? I mean, are we talking about cartoons here? Are we talking about, you know, movies or what? No, character, very simply defined, is who you are when you believe no one else is watching. Very simply, character is who you, who you are when you believe no one else is watching. And you know, the the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, who knows the mind of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? In other words, nobody knows you like you know you. Nobody knows your thoughts the way that you know your thoughts. No one knows the intent of your heart the way that you know the intent of your heart. No, nobody can ascertain that the way that you know yourself. So as I'm speaking these things this morning, and, and I want to share with you this message today entitled Building a Life, and I don't believe there's a more challenging word in all of the Bible than the instruction of the Apostle Paul to the Colossian church in chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, I want to ask you to turn with me there to Colossians chapter 3. Now, I'm going to do something that I rarely do here on a Sunday morning setting. We might do this at a a midweek Bible study or something like that. But I'm going to read for you a chapter of the Bible in its entirety. Because here's the thing. I believe that the Spirit-inspired Word of God can do more for you in in these few moments than I can in in a half hour, hour, hour and a half of, of speaking to you and just giving you my thoughts and reflections on the Scripture. But we're going, to read this, we're going to read this passage in its entirety here, and I'm only going to stop one time to interject one thing so that we grab hold of what's being said here. But for the sake of clarity, I want to read to you. I don't know what translation of the Scripture you have this morning, but for clarity's sake this morning, I'm going to be reading to you from the New Living Translation. 
But I want you to pay particular attention to the words in the passage of the scripture. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes and says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the world, you will all share in his glory. Now, I want to pause there for just a minute because Paul has set for us here a context to whom he is speaking. He's he's introduced the recipients, the people that he's addressing here. And the reason I want to pause here is because so oftentimes we... We take Scripture out of its context or we fail to recognize Scripture in its context or we fail to recognize the addressee of the letter that's being written here and thereby we become dismissive of things that are being said, especially things like are coming next in this letter. Because when we begin to hear the apostles and, and the writers of Scripture talk about sinful things, Those of us who are of the faith, those of us who are in the church can oftentimes become dismissive of what's being said and we can be sitting in a a sanctuary or a place like this and we uh, we can become engulfed in thoughts of, man, I wish, oh, be honest with me, how many of you have ever been hearing a message preached in church and you thought to yourself that you wish somebody else you knew was there to hear it? Huh? You just, man, oh, good Lord, this is a word that somebody, and I'm not talking about in an encouraging way. I mean, like, you wish they were there to get corrected, <laughs> right? You wish they were there to hear it because, man, they really need to hear this. And, and sometimes I believe as believers, when we begin to read things in Scripture, we automatically contextualize what's being said to a lost and dying world. And we believe that that word is really something they need to hear. And that word is something that they need to hear. But we need it as well. And I, I paused here just to draw emphasis on the fact that Paul is writing to people who he addresses saying, since or because you have already been raised to a new life in Christ. How many of you are living a new life in Christ Jesus? The old has passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. And you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's show hands right now. How many of you are born again, blood-bought children of the King? Amen? Amen. So Paul's talking to you today. Paul's talking to me. I'm I'm not here to point a finger this morning because I realize that it's multiplied back in my direction. Amen? But we continue here in this context, and this is who Paul's talking to here. And verse 5, we continue, and it says, So... Or because you're believers, because you're children of God, because you enjoy this new life, put to death the sinful. Earthly things lurking within you. Who knows the heart and the mind of a man except the spirit of a man that's in him? You know what's in your heart. You know what's in your mind. You know the things that dominate your imagination. And Paul says when we find those things that are 
earthly, that are sensual, that are sinful, we're to do away with those things. We're to put those things to death, mortify the deeds of the flesh, he writes in another place. Have nothing, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. I I remind you now, Paul's writing to believers. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now the time is come to get rid of anger of rage of malicious behavior slander and dirty language don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds it's it's an off-putting that we're being called to here and extracting Not in our own might, not because of our own stubborn self-will, but by the anointing of the Holy Spirit resident in the life of the believer, we have been given the power to overcome. We've not only been forgiven from sin, but we've been freed from sin. And Paul continues here and says, put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you're circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he is in all of us. Since God chose you to be his holy people, he loves you. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I want to ask you today, if you were in a court of law and all of a sudden it was illegal to serve Christ, if somebody accused you of being Christian and hauled you into court, would there be enough evidence to convict? Make allowance for, oh Lord, here's a sermon series right here. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents. 
I didn't hear an amen there, but I thought that one would really resonate. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work diligently at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. By show of hands, how many of you would indicate that you know or have known and been impressed by individuals who, though the world never knew their names, to you, they were bigger than life? There was just something about that individual or those people that... that you keep on a very short list there's not many of them but you've known them and there's a short list of them and and there's something about their lives that is simply irresistible elements of their lives that you looked on and as you did you may have said I want to be like that I want to pattern my life after their example and if we're honest today, there may be many sitting in this congregation who have observed role models and mentors in your lives, though now long gone, the legacy of their character still challenges you to grow and to stretch beyond where you presently are as a person. Church, we need maturity among the saints. We, we need growth. We need all these things that we've heard the Apostle Paul speaking about, the, the, the capacity to be accepting of, of the faults and the flaws of those around us, that even though they don't walk in perfection, they're still of the body. And, and where they are weak, I can maybe add my strength and encourage them and help them and not to talk about them and slander them and beat them down until they are ridiculed and exiled away from the church. If we're honest today, there, there may be, as I said, those who are, are sitting around us even or those in our past that just challenge us and, and stretch us to grow and the thing is that none of these people got this way by accident. I know I've said it before and it's, it's a repetition, it's an echo here, but it's okay. Nobody that you've ever looked on in this world that you thought to yourself, man, those are great people. None of them ever got to be great people by accident. They got the way they were because of choices, disciplines in life. None of, those, none of those people woke up one morning and were just endowed with wonderfulness. None of them woke up and just said, hey, it's a new day and I'm great. As a matter of fact, they never thought themselves great to begin with. Great lives aren't given. Great lives aren't gotten. Great lives are built. They're built on daily choices. They're built on consistent and continual choices that involve the putting off of the old sinful carnal nature 
and the putting on the intentional effort of putting on the nature of Christ and that when we stand up in the morning it's more than just a song that's rolling through our head or a melody that we sing over and over and over but it is the cry of our hearts to be like Jesus to be like Jesus all I ask is to be like him all through life's journey from earth to glory all I ask is to be like him that that's it it's it's not to be caught ensnared entangled in the patterns of this world and and to just move and operate the same way that everybody else around us operates because can I tell you the standard for our lives is not what we observe in the lives around us but the standard of our lives is what we have observed in the life and the person and the character of Jesus Christ that's our pattern Peter wrote and said that Jesus came and he suffered leaving for us an example that we should what follow in his steps that we should walk the way that he walked we should talk we should treat people interact with people the same way that he did and and of those that we most admire there was a determination to be a person of character regardless of what they were faced with in this life for too many I believe their, their idea of the Christian experience is that one day they're just gonna make a singular decision and from that moment forward they're gonna be a totally different person can I tell you something you can come to this altar you can respond to a word you can pray the prayer you can make a commitment to Christ and you can still be a mean curmudgeonly nasty individual It's true I'm sorry if that bursts your bubble today or, or gives you a bad but they're not representative of Christ they may claim the name of Jesus but they don't represent the king and there's a difference you and I are yes we're called to salvation but you know we need to understand that salvation is more than what we're being called from because that's where the trouble lies is that all the emphasis is placed on what we're being called from we're being called from a life of sin we're being called from eternal damnation and destruction but it's not only that we're being called from that to heaven that's not it we're, we're called out of a life that glorifies the adversary and that shows that the the devil has a sway and hold in our lives we're called to a life that shows that the power of sin has been broken that the enemy has been defeated and whom the son has set free is free indeed to walk in ways that are contrary to the ways of this world and to be different and to be set apart and to be a peculiar people that when somebody comes in your place of work and they are reaming you out you just heap those coals of kindness on them and they walk away from that interaction they say hmm there's 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 something different about them that that is not at all I'm telling you I had my horns out I had my nose snarled I had my brow 
doing this thing here and I was ready for a confrontation but when I went in to to have confrontation what I met was a spirit of gentleness and a spirit of peace and a kind word that turned away wrath and it was different and, and for too many people, their idea of the Christian experience is that one day they're going to make a singular decision and from that moment forward, they're going to be a totally different person. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. Yes, there is power in the blood of Jesus to break every chain and set the captives free. But if you don't want to change, he's not going to make you. I have observed people, and please don't think I'm being judgmental, I'm not being judgmental, but we are called to inspect fruit. And, you know, the old saying, if it, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Because the manifestation of the life, the actions indicate. Can I, have you got two minutes? Just, just for me to tell you something. Because we live in such a world and a society of tolerance, 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 acceptance, 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 tolerance, 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 tolerance. That, that, that is weaponized against the believer and, and they pull scripture and they wrest it from context and they say, don't judge. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. That's, that's synonymous with tolerance, 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 acceptance, acceptance. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. Can, can I tell you, when the word says not to judge, what we're actually being instructed in there is that I don't know the intention of your heart. I don't know why you did the thing that you did or what motivates you, and I can't stand off to the side and say, well, look at them. I don't know who they think they are, but da-da-da-da-da. Okay? But there's a difference between being judgmental and inspecting the fruit of somebody's life. And, and somehow or another, we've come to a place where we hold judgment and fruit inspection as being synonymous with each other. When, when you look on at somebody's life and there's nothing about it that reflects Christ as we see Christ in this word. I'm not judging you. The scripture has already judged you. I'm just examining the evidences of your life. You, you, are, we, are you got me? Okay, good. Good, good. So, so what I'm saying is, is too often we're eager to pattern our lives just if we can just be a notch above morally superior to somebody else around us who's not patterning their lives after Christ. They just simply wear the title of Christian. But we're not to judge our lives by those around us. We're to judge our lives by this word. And we're to judge our lives by the character of God as revealed in this word. Because we've not just been called from damnation, but we've been called to an ambassadorship for Christ Jesus in this world. That we would represent and reflect him to the world around us. Am I making sense to anybody in this place today? I, 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 again, I've observed a lot of people, and, and again, don't think I'm being judgmental, but there are a lot of people who desire the benefit of a delivered life who are not willing to discipline themselves spiritually to change their character and nature of their person and they can, that, that same nature and character that continues to generate trouble for them in this life. 
Can I tell you that, that some people live and the way they live life in, in Christ, it's the same as having the gate of a prison cell kicked down and somebody standing on the other side and saying, hey, come on, let's go. And you sitting back in the corner and saying, you know what, now I think I'll just appreciate you opening the door and all, but I think I'll just sit here for a while. I'm kind of enjoying my surroundings. I like feeling sorry for myself. I honestly don't really have that great of an objection to some of this carnality in my life, but I'm glad to know that in my time of need and in my time of trouble, if things really get intense, I can get up and get out of here. But I, I, don't, I don't care to get up right now and exercise the discipline that's necessary to get me out of this place. Jesus breaks the bonds and sets the captive free, but if you continue to choose bondage, you will live bound. Does that make sense? Now, as, as we observe from the text here, we read that the writer says, if you are saved, remember who he's talking to here? If you are saved, then it becomes your responsibility to do certain things. It's your responsibility to get up in the strength of the Lord and walk away from the ties that bind, all the things that cause heartache in your life. The door is open, but it's your responsibility to walk out. Put away sinful things. Put away earthly desires. Put away evil desires. Put away lying anger wrath malice can i tell you that i have had things in my life happen to me that have made me very angry that have hurt me deeply and if i allow it to this day it can come in and trigger those same old feelings over and over again but i have to choose that i today no i'm not not today satan i am going to be free i'm not going to live angry i'm not going to live with malice and bitterness in my heart i'm not going to consider those I, today i'm free in christ jesus amen i'm going to live different because i can and i think we need to drill in a little bit on the difference between what we have to do as believers and what we can do as believers because I believe some, in part, we've been led to believe that we have to behave a certain way when the truth of the matter is it's not a have to, it's a get to. I don't have to live as rung up and worked up as the rest of the world. Why? Because Christ has changed me and given me the power to overcome the world. I can be different. I can live different. And there are times I just have to say, Lord, I, I don't want to be angry. I choose not to be angry today. And God help me to forgive Paul said put away rage slander dirty language sexual immorality and impurity and the list goes on and I've got to circle back to the sexual immorality because Jesus said in as much you've heard it said do not commit adultery but in as much as you look on another person with the intent or the thought you've already done it it's in your heart and it needs to be dealt with it doesn't matter how much time listen it doesn't matter how much time and and I you know our ministry here and you know that we value time spent around the altar I believe dynamic things happen when we just as an act of surrender it's not a religious thing and maybe you're here and you see people coming up to the altar and they and you do what's what's all with that it's 
it's, it's, a, it's a motion of humility. It's a motion of surrender. It's, it's a motion that honestly says, I care more about God doing something in my life in this moment than I do about what I look like in front of people. It's, it's a sacrifice. Just, just saying, you know what, I identify with that word and God, I need you to do something dynamic in my life. So that, that's where we are with this whole altar thing and people moving out and, and coming to the altar. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter how much time you spend at the altar. If you have a problem with sinful behaviors and you continue to walk in it, you'll continue to have the problems caused by it. And the things that you and I entertain in our lives will become who we are. If you entertain negativity all the time, you will be a negative person. It will be a part of your character. That's why we always encourage people to be positive. If you play with fire, you will get burned. If you entertain gossip, you'll be a gossip. If you entertain anger, you'll become an angry, bitter person. If you entertain sin, you will be a sinful person. And Paul says that we're to, we're to put away those things. But it's, again, it's not just what we're called from, but it's what we're called to. And, and we're to put away those things and replace it with greater ambition. And that greater ambition is to put on the character and the person of Christ, to clothe ourselves in his likeness, to keep Jesus first in our lives because in the grand scheme of things, that's really all that matters. And while we're working on serving the Lord, remember that one of the greatest ways, and I, I love that Paul includes this or the Spirit inspires this in the context of this chapter, but remember that while we're working on serving the Lord, remember that one of the greatest ways to serve the Lord is by serving those that God has put in your life. Notice here that Paul, in, in Colossians chapter 3, he doesn't say, hey, I, I need you to do this. You need to put off, you need to put off anger, wrath, malice, and, and idolatry and all these things. You need to put off all these things, and then you need to put on your Sunday best. And come to church and show everybody how good you are. And then you go back out the door and you just, you know, you trample all over everybody else you come into contact with. And that's not what he said at all. He said, you put off all those things. You put off all those things. And then wives, you submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives. Children obey your parents. In other words, you know, it's, it's those who are closest to us that know us best, aren't, isn't it? So if you really want to manifest the character and nature of Christ, start in your home. And while you're working on serving the Lord, remember that one of the greatest ways to serve the Lord is by serving those that Christ has put in your life. Work on being a better parent to your children. Work on being a better spouse. Instead of being a slanderer filled with wrath and malice, be a person filled with mercy, kindness, and humility. Because Jesus Christ can and we'll set you free but at the end of the day you're gonna be the person that you choose to be 
You're going to be the person that you choose to be. And you can choose the character and nature of Christ. Or you can choose the patterns of this world. And it's up to you. But Jesus has made it available for us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Would you stand all over this sanctuary this morning? In just a moment, our, our worship team's coming, and in a moment, they're going to lead us in a song. And just in an act of closing today, very simply, as we begin to sing that song, there's, there's two things. Number one, if you're here today and you say, I've been looking for something new in life, and as yet I've not committed my heart and life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you that today is the day of salvation. And if that's you and, and you want to begin a new life in Christ, then I want you to come and just meet me here at this altar. We want to pray with you. We want to believe God for that. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just don't even address me just say God I, I want you to take everything in me that is not of you and give me the courage and give me the spiritual wherewithal to be able to exercise the disciplines in my life to get up to get up out of the middle of the things that have had me bound and to walk out in the victory that Christ has afforded me and to live free of all those tendencies of my carnal nature that so ensnare me and to live free and to be free and to represent Christ in this world if that's you today and you just say Lord I want you to take these things fill me with your likeness fill me with your character oh God Lord I want to represent you I need more of you in this generation if that's you just feel free to step out gather around these altars this morning offer your life a sacrifice unto God and just say, Lord, take what I have, use it for your glory and the upbuilding of your kingdom, Lord, and we give you praise. If you're at your seat, just slip your hand up wherever you are and just begin to worship the Lord and say, Lord, take all of me. Just, just have it, Lord. It's yours. Give me the courage and the spiritual insight to be able to lay down carnal things and take up the nature of Christ and walk in your character and a reflection of who you are. In Jesus' name. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your grace that sets us free, Lord. God, that in you, we are liberated to live as you call us to live, to be what you've called us to be. And God, we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor because we know it's not of our flesh, not of our, not of our carnality, God, but it's your life in us that makes us new. And we bless you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.